0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. This morning, I just want to start off right here, right now in full disclosure. Um, What I'm about to speak to you this morning, um, I think... I've never resonated with something so strongly in my heart um, as what I'm about to share with you guys this morning. Um, So it's going to be a real journey for me to get through this uh, because it's just what is happening in Shanna and I, in our life right now. So buckle up because I hope... I've been on a journey with the Holy Spirit this week through this, and I hope that it's a similar journey for you this morning, I hope. So buckle up this morning, I hope I can get through it, and we're just going to go for it. So first, before I get into it, I just want to say that when Mario gave me um, this passage on Monday, or on Tuesday, I thought to myself, I read it for a moment, I thought, I've seen this, I've heard this one before, I've read this passage before. And I was like, cool. So I started to get into it through the week. And I'm telling you, this passage completely wrecked me. Completely wrecked me. And I hope, I really hope that it impacts you this morning. Because I want, like I said a couple weeks ago in Jesus' change, I want to speak to you, but I want to speak through you. The word of God speaks to us, but it speaks through us, in the sense that we get something, but it's not for us. It's for us to give. And so this morning, I want you to receive it, but I need you to understand you have got to take this and give it. So let's go. I want you, as you guys know, everyone knows it's in our conscience. This week, we celebrated the 18th anniversary of 9-11. 18th? 18th. Yes, 18th. And everyone, if you were on social media, posting things about the event, what happened, the tragedy, and everyone giving their own sort of just take on how they felt in that moment when that happened. And I want you to go back for a moment to that moment and remember what you felt. Remember the thoughts that were going through your mind. Remember the images. And if you're too young, I don't know if anyone here is too young, but if you are too young to, to, to remember that when it actually happened, think of the first time that you saw the images of that tragic event. Because it's something that has happened in, our, in, our, in, our, in the history of our country that was a, was a marker, a turning point. It was a moment in our country's history where going forward, things would never be the same. And we had to experience, and we went through that experience. And I remember, this was actually before I was in this church. It was actually before I even knew Jesus. I remember that moment and I'm sure you all do, you remember where you were. It's one of those moments. I'm too young for JFK, but when JFK was assassinated, I'm sure a lot of you remember where you were when you heard that. And so everyone knows there are just moments in time where we can all look back and say, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. So I want you to remember exactly where you were. I was at my mom's house, I was living with my mom at the time, and I remember sitting in her living room and watching the images for the first time after coming home from work and thinking to myself, I don't even, I don't even have any words to express what I'm feeling right now. I, I literally have no words to express. what I, This moment is so huge. This moment is so heavy that I literally cannot... Muster up any words to speak right now. And I didn't pray because I wasn't a Christian. But I remember that time and I remember that moment. And I want us to think about this idea. about when we are faced with moments in our lives, when we are faced with trials in our lives, when we are faced with seasons in our lives where we are literally lost for words, where we literally do not have the words to express how we're feeling in the moment. Because those times have come and will come again. And... I want us to explore this morning a piece of scripture that I feel speaks into this reality that we will have, have had, and will have. Because I believe that God has given us a way to experience victory and peace in the moments where we literally have no words to describe how we're feeling. And so Romans chapter 8, if you want to turn there, we're in verse 26 and 27. And when Mario gave this to me, I said to myself, "Yep, I know this. I've read this before. But there is something about the scriptures that continually reveal something to us because we're in a new place or a new season or a new time in our lives. And things that may not have made sense or didn't seem important at the time now hit you like a bomb and are like, do you understand who I am? That's how I feel. That is what I've I've gone through this week. A complete and total new revelation of who God is in my life and in Shanna's life. I want to read this to you. Actually, I don't even need to read it to you because I already know it. But Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. So I want to break that down a little bit. And I want to break it down into three things. I believe that we have a problem. The problem is is that there are seasons in our lives where we have no idea how to pray, what to say, what to feel, how to feel. We don't even feel like we have the words to communicate to God what is going on right now. And that's a problem. But there is a solution. And that solution is found in this verse. So we're going to go through this verse. And it's a short verse, but there's so much in it. And so I want to identify three things that we can do when we find ourselves in this season. First one is this. And I'm just going to list them all right now. So if you're taking notes, you can write down the first one, leave a space, write down the second one, leave a space, write down the third one. Recognize, space. Release, space slash rest, space, and receive. And then you can write as much as you want for that. So I just want to say to you right now, we all have experienced, right, moments in time, seasons, moments, um, you know, long periods of time sometimes where things are just hard, where things just don't make sense, where things seem like they are not, that we cannot find the words to explain. There are moments in our life where things are amazing. There are moments in our life and seasons and times where our jobs are amazing, our kids are amazing, our, our, our finances are amazing, our marriage is amazing, you know, our families are, are amazing. There are times when everything just kind of lines up and you're just thinking to yourself, wow, wow, Life is just amazing, but there are so, those times are, are temporary and they are seasons because they are temporary. And there are seasons where we have in our life where, where we experience great grief, a sense of loss, a time in our lives where we are hurt by someone. A time in our lives where people will walk away from us. A moment in our lives where we may walk away from others who have poured themselves into us. There will be moments in our lives where we have to tackle and deal with major health issues. There are moments in our lives as parents where we will let down our kids. There are moments in our lives where, where we, will, we will trample on our kids' triumphs. And we will not give them the time that they deserve. There are moments in our lives where we have this profound sense of weakness, There will be times when we make promises to one another and we can't hold them. There will be times when we experience a sense of sadness and grief that we cannot explain. And Paul says that. He says, in your weakness, right? In your weakness, in that season of weakness, we will have them. This is what First Peter, this is what Peter says in First Peter 1 six about these trials. He says, "We rejoice in the inheritance." He talks about the inheritance before this passage, but he says, "In this you rejoice the inheritance, though now for a little while, if necessary, you will be grieved by various trials." And so it's a picture and it corresponds and relates to what Paul is saying. He said, there's going to be times where things are going to get really hard and your weakness is going to be on full display. And the question this morning is this, what do we do in that moment of weakness? What are we going to do when that time comes? Because there'll be no words to describe it. There'll be no words to describe where we are and what we're feeling. To anyone in our lives, but also to God. There'll be no words to describe in that moment of weakness, in that season of trial and pain and despair. So the first thing that we have to do is recognize We have to recognize that we are in the season that we're in. We have to recognize that we are in the season that we're in and call it for what it is. And we have to recognize that it's temporary. That's what Peter says. For a little while, not forever, but for a little while, you will be grieved by various trials. Paul says, in your weakness, you will have no words to describe how you're feeling. In your weakness, when you are going through these trials, there will be no words to be able to communicate to God what it is you're going through. And so we must recognize the season that we're in for what it is. It's okay. It's okay to be in that season. And we have to recognize that season that it's temporary. It will not last forever. The most important thing we need to recognize is that the Spirit is doing something in it. Like, what I'm sharing right now is literally the song we sang, Take Courage. I mean, literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am singing that song and thinking to myself, let's just sing the song. (laughs) I don't even have to say anything. Let's just sing the song because it's that song. It's that song. But we also need to recognize what the Spirit is doing. We need to recognize the season for what it is. We need to recognize that it's temporary, but we also need to recognize what the Spirit is doing. Let me remind you, this is the, te- the text. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Paul's saying, We normally can pray and we're really good at it and it's a part of our life as Christians, but there are times in our lives when we are experiencing weakness, when we are at our lowest, when we cannot even understand what is going on in our lives. In that moment, we can't pray it. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability to pray. He said, you cannot pray as you are in this time of weakness, and that is OK. So once we recognize the season that we're in, the next thing that we have to do, I believe, that this, what Paul is saying here, is we need to release something. And I feel like what we need to release this morning, when we are in these seasons, is we need to release our authority, our responsibility and ultimately our hearts to the Spirit. Because in these moments, it's so easy to try to prove to God that we're strong enough to get through it. In these seasons that we're in, wherever we are, whatever it is, whether you've lost a job, whether you're dealing with a health crisis, whether you have an issue with a family member, whether you feel abandoned, whether you feel uh, depressed, filled with anxiety, fear, understand something, that the Spirit is doing something in it but we have got to release our sense of authority and responsibility to see it in proverbs verse 23 or proverbs chapter 23 verse 26 this is what it says my son give me your heart and let your eyes see my ways So if you want to reverse that, what he's saying is, is if you do not give me your heart, you can't see my ways. You can't see what I'm doing if you won't give me your heart. You can't see what I'm doing. And so it's a picture of what's going on here when we cannot find the words to express how we're feeling in that season of despair and grief. What Paul is saying is, is that you can't pray it, but guess what? The Spirit is already praying it for you. This is what He says. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us because here's the thing in these moments, we cannot rely on our own strength to pray through it. We can't rely on our own strength to just push through. We can try. We can try. But if we try and we don't allow ourselves to submit submit our authority, our responsibility, and our hearts to God, guess what? The work's not going to happen. So in this moment, when we are experiencing this season, it is absolutely crucial to understand that the Spirit of God is literally interceding for you and me. And so we have to release the authority and responsibility and say, you know what? It is yours. Because guess what? This is not our fight to fight. This is not our fight to fight. This season that you're in right now, if you're struggling, whatever it is you're struggling with, it's not your fight. It's his fight. It's the Spirit's fight. See, there are seasons when we are called, there are seasons in life where we feel like, we are just arm in arm with God, right? There are seasons in life when we feel like we are just man. Like we are fighting for our kids, we're fighting for our families, we're fighting for our communities, we're fighting for the people in, in our church. We're arm in arm with God. And it's like beautiful. But there are seasons where God says, this is not your fight. You don't need to fight for yourself. Let me fight for you. And so if we can release the responsibility and the authority and ultimately our hearts to him, guess what? He fights for us. And that release needs to lead to something. That release needs to lead to rest. And what are we going to rest in? We're going to rest in the promise of what Paul says. He says, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. That is the promise. If we can release our authority and responsibility and our hearts to Him, we can rest because we're not fighting. Amen. He's fighting and we're resting. So we can rest in the promise that the Spirit is fighting and interceding for us to the throne. Amen. This is just, I and mean, this just floored me this week. Because I, we just, I feel like we just want to prove to God a lot. And not in a, not in a way that we're, we're, not in a, like, a rebellious way, but we almost want to prove to God that we've matured, that we've grown, that we're, we're able to handle this season. And, and Paul just mm, smacks us right upside the head and goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. But guess what? He is. He is. And he will fight in the moments of our greatest weakness for us. So what do we see the Spirit using for language when Paul says he's interceding for us? What do we see the Spirit saying? This is what Paul says. He intercedes for us, not with words, but with groanings too deep for words. Why? I feel like when we are at a loss for words to express to him what we're feeling, he obviously already knows that, but he still empathizes with us in that moment, and the Spirit does the same thing. Think about this. We don't have the words to speak in the season that we're in to, communi- to communicate to God where we are. So, what does the Spirit do? He doesn't use words either. He used something beyond words. Paul says he uses groanings, they are deeper than words. They are a way to communicate to God the deepest, what's going on in the deepest, darkest places in our spirit. He uses groans, not words. The Spirit is praying what we can't pray in the way we would if we could. But the Spirit is doing it for us. He's he's praying for us, but he's praying the things we can't even pray. He's saying to you, don't worry, I got it. I know you can't pray this. I know it's not something that you you can't handle this right now, you in your greatest moment of weakness, but guess what? I am praying it for you. Don't worry, I'm fighting for you. There is nothing you need to do. You need to rest in the promise that I have taken over, and it is mine now, not yours. That's what Paul is saying. So why groaning? Why groan? Groaning basically can be described this way, an inarticulate noise or sound in response to pain or despair. That's what the word groan means. And so Paul says, he's not not speaking words when he's interceding for you. He's groaning for you to the Father. So why groaning? If we look at Romans 8 before the passage that we're looking at, above that, if we read it, and this is in a literary context, right? We see Paul use this word groan when describing the process of birth. And he says that the whole creation, including us, we are in a place of groaning, and we are in a place of groaning because we are expecting a birth. And he's drawing a correlation between this idea of suffering and pain and weakness And the result of that, which is groaning. But then he also makes a connection between the idea of groaning and birth. So let's put this all together. Our season of weakness and suffering and affliction causes groaning, which leads to birth. The birth of something new. And so what is being birthed? Paul talks about it before in chapter 8. He says referring back to the whole creation groaning, what he's saying is is we are groaning because we are waiting for eternity to be birthed. We are waiting for the time when Jesus comes back so that we can be with him. And so that's the context Paul is setting up here with groaning and birthing. If you look at the world, if you look on your screens, I mean, there is so much going on that grieves us, right? Right? and it causes us to groan. Do we not groan every time we turn on our smartphone and we read the latest story from CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or Washington Post? I mean, Shanna had to turn off her notifications last week. She's like, I can't even handle this. This is just too much. I, it, it grieved her. Me, I'm a little, maybe a little hard-skinned. I'm like, that's just the world. <laughs> But she's just like, I can't handle it. And I'm like, I get it. But here's the thing. When we see those things, when we see those images, when we see what's going on in the world, when we see what's going on in our country that grieves us, it's because when it, the reason why we react that way is because we are longing for something. We are longing for the birth of eternity. We are longing for, the, for, the, for Jesus to come again and make everything right and make everything new. And so our groaning is the sign that the birth of a new eternity and Jesus coming again is, is, is coming. So here's the connection. Weakness leads to groaning, which leads to a new birth. And so that is the final thing that we need to do. First thing is we need to recognize. Second thing we, is we need to release and rest. Third thing is we need to receive. And that last thing is so critical because what Paul is talking about is a birth. And there is a connection, like I said, between groaning and birth. And there, are more than one, there is more than one time in the text where this connection is established. The first time or one of the times is this. The word groan, right, is, is used in Romans 8 by Paul. But guess what? It's also used one other time in the New Testament, and that one time is in Acts chapter 7, verse 34. And it's when Stephen is recreating, follow me here, Stephen is recreating the scene of when Moses was talking to God. And when Moses and when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were enslaved. And Stephen is recounting the conversation that, Steve, that Moses has with God in Acts chapter seven. The original is in Genesis. The original conversation, obviously, is in Exodus uh, three, verse four. And so in the conversation that Moses has with God, God says, Moses, I have seen, I have heard the cry of my people, and I will deliver them out of affliction. That's what he says to Moses. But when Stephen says it, in the New Testament, he doesn't use the word cry. He uses the word groan. He was, he in some way was trying to relate and, and get the people that he was speaking to to understand where the Israelites were in that moment. They were in a place where words couldn't even describe what they were going through. The, the, the level of affliction and pain and suffering, they were, they were waiting for God to deliver them out of where they were. And Stephen uses the word groan, not cry. And what do we see after God hears their groan? He sends Moses, and eventually what happens? A nation is birthed. They enter into the land that was promised to them, and a nation is birthed out of the groans of, their peop, of of the people. Groaning can oftentimes lead to new birth and something new in our lives. The story of Hannah, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah, a woman we find in the town of Shiloh, outside the temple, She's crying out to God. She's in great despair, anguish. She's fearful. She has a husband who has a wife who keeps reminding her that she can't have kids. And so she's crying out to God, give me a son. And the priest from the temple sees him, sees her and says, what is wrong with you? I see, word, I see your mouth moving, but no words coming out of your mouth. Have you had too much to drink? And she goes, no. I'm pouring my heart out to God right now. Hannah had no words to express how she was feeling. Her, the cries of her heart were so deep that she couldn't. She had no words to express what they were. And what do we see after Hannah cries out to God? She has a son. His name is Samuel. And he goes on to be one of the greatest prophets and judges that Israel has ever seen. We have to understand that if we are in a season right now where it's just too hard to even figure out the words to express, that it's okay to be there because the Holy Spirit is interceding for us with groans and those groans can lead to something new being birthed in your life. I don't know when. We just talked about waiting, right? We just said, we're in the waiting. And sometimes the period between groaning and birth There's a long time there. And that's the period of waiting. And sometimes God calls us to wait for a really long time and sometimes it's a short time. But we have to recognize that God is able to birth something new out of our weakness. He sees it as an opportunity to form Himself in us. So that is what we need to receive. A new birth, a new something that is coming in our lives because of the weakness that we are experiencing. In each moment, it's all going to look different for each one of us. But in that moment of waiting, the Spirit is praying over us and in us and through us to Him. And He's not using words, He's using groans. So what is He praying for? This is it. This is the final part. What is the Spirit praying for in our lives when we are in these moments? Because we read, they're groans. We don't understand them. He's not using words. So what is he praying? Well, the answer is in the next verse. Let's read it. He says, "But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches, right? He who searches hearts knows the mind of the spirit." Why? Because the Spirit is praying for you and for me according." To what? The will of God. So what's being prayed by the Spirit over us to God? The will of God. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. He is praying the will of God over your life in these moments of weakness when you have no words to, to describe what you're going through. That's what he's doing right now. What is the will of God in our lives? I spoke about this in... During the last um, series, Jesus Changed, I said, the will of God in our lives is simple. We try to complicate it, but it's simple. All the will of God is in our lives is for us to become more like him. That's what the will of God in our life is. More of him, less of us. That's it. He, He wants to make us more like him. That's the will of God. So when when Paul says that the Spirit is praying the will of God over your life, what is he saying? He's saying he's praying that you would become more like him in this moment. Because guess why? When we are in our biggest moment of weakness, when the offense is so great, when people hurt us, when we lose a job, when we can't figure out how to pay the bills at the end of the month, guess what? We can get mad we can get resentful. We can, get, we can live in a place of unforgiveness. We can live in a place where we turn our backs on people and on God and say, you know what, I'm done. And it's in this moment that God says, I need to pray the will of God over your life so that you can become more like me and less like him or less like you because guess what? That is when we are at our most vulnerable The enemy will do everything he can in our moment of weakness to take our eyes off God, put it on our circumstance and say, you know what? It's because of him. That's why you're here. So why is it that the spirit of God is praying the will of God over our lives? Because he wants us to make us more like him and he's using this opportunity to do that. And the will of God is just simply this. Whether you're involved in this ministry or that ministry, whether you feel like you're called to be a missionary or a church planner or you're an intercessor or you got this gift or that gift, da-da-da-da-da. That's cool. God is in control of that. But understand this: if you're not willing to go through the process of becoming more like him, none of that matters. Amen. People all want to worry about, oh, I gotta go here and do this. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go here and be this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know. I think I, I think I wanna I think I wanna be a business owner, I think I wanna be a plumber, I think I wanna be I think I wanna be an intercessor or or whatever the case may be. Those things are all amazing. And God may be calling you to all those things, whatever they are, individually for everyone. But guess what? If you are not willing to do the hard work to become more like him, none of that matters. It just doesn't. There's no shortcuts. So that's why the Spirit of God prays for us the will of God. Because in that moment, that's the hardest point to understand the will of God sometimes. Why am I here? Why am I dealing with this? Why is this pain so hard? Why am I in this season, in this moment, in this time of complete and utter despair? He's going to use it to bring about something new in your life, and he's going to use it to make him more, make you more like him. So, I want to leave you with one last passage, and here it is: Romans five thirty. Uh, sorry, Romans chapter five, verse th- three and four. Let me just remind you of what we got to do before we do that, and then we'll end. When we find ourselves in these moments, first thing is we got to recognize. Recognize the season that we're in. Recognize that it's temporary. And recognize that the Spirit of God is praying over us and through us and interceding for us in that moment. That's first. Once we recognize the season that we're in, it's okay to live in that season. It's okay. You don't need to come out of it right. You don't need to force your way out of it. You need to release that urge to just, I'm pushing through. No. Paul says, give your authority, your responsibility, and your heart to the Spirit of God and see, right, what he's doing. Proverbs, right? Son, give me your heart. Why? So I can see what you're doing. Give him your heart. Release it and rest in the promise that the Spirit of God is is praying over you. And then finally, receive it. Be in a place to receive something new that's going to come from it. But, but resolve yourself to wait for it because it might not come the next week. It may not come the next year or the next five years. But resolve yourself to wait and receive what God wants to bring forth as something new that he wants to birth in you because of your weakness. So Romans, chapter 5, 3 and 4, this is what it says. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, this is so cool, this is the will of God, this is character, this is everything. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope. And so that is the process that we are going through when we find ourselves in the season of weakness. We rejoice in that season because it produces endurance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. So I hope, I hope that this word and this passage gives you hope this morning, gives you a sense of encouragement this morning, gives you peace this morning. don't have to do the hard work of fighting for yourself sometimes. And it's so important to let the Spirit do that for you.